To the debut episode of King of Kaiju, Monarch, Legacy of Monsters podcast, a weekly discussion of the television series Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, that is now found on Apple TV Plus. Uh, the show is based off of uh, the monster verse that Warner Brothers and Legendary. I think it's legendary. Um, cinema has uh, released in the various uh, King Kong and Godzilla films that have been coming out, and uh, of course, it's based off of uh, Toho uh, Company's uh, original uh, Godzilla series. Uh, and and, R- and RKO's uh, King Kong. That's exactly right. Yes, that's fair. Uh, the show uh, debuted November 17th, 2023. Uh, today is November 21st, 2023. Uh, the first two episodes were re- released called Aftermath and Departure. And since they were both released at one shot, we're going to uh, review the two episodes tonight. And then following this episode here of the podcast, we will do uh, a podcast on each following episode, which uh, will be released independently of the others. So going forward, uh, we'll be only reviewing one episode at a time. This debut episode, we're reviewing two because uh, they decided to release two uh, at once. Uh, The show is uh, developed by Chris Black and Matt Fraction. Uh, with Chris Black actually uh, directing, um, well, not directing, I'm sorry, screenwriting uh, the first two episodes, as a matter of fact. Uh, the show stars a number of folk, including Kurt Russell, um, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the various other people afterwards. Uh, today, as I mentioned, is November 21st, 2023, and uh, yes, because of um uh, the weirdness of the holidays, we're recording these episodes, uh, maybe not in a timely fashion as we hope to in the future. At the moment, uh, the second episode will be released uh, by us on Tuesday, the 28th of November, 2023. Um, so, uh, who are we? Uh, so, we are part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. Uh, it is a network of podcasts and news and whatnot related to genre things. Uh, this is one of the side podcasts that we do. Our main podcast is Dark Discussions Podcast that's been around since 2011, I believe, and uh, it's a weekly podcast that talks about genre films. Uh, this is our new podcast where we're going to talk about the show uh, itself. You can email us if you want to get into the discussion of the show. Uh, email us at darkdiscussions at aol.com and put in the title Monarch. So subject, write Monarch, and then whatever your subject is, and then email us. And the reason we want Monarch in the subject is because then we can do a quick search through our email because our email gets bogged with numerous uh, emails from 
companies that are trying to have us review or critique their um, movies and books and things, and your email could get lost in the mix of those, as we all know how that can happen. So if you type in uh, Monarch as part of the subject, uh, we do a search in our inbox and Monarch will pop up and we can uh, uh, read your email on the podcast. Um, also, we uh, have a Patreon on darkdiscussions.com, uh, the website where you can link to the Patreon account and donate to the podcast. Um, the reason we're asking is because we do not do uh, any uh any paywalls or we or anything like that where we do all this for free and we do have server fees and whatnot that uh hold the website as well as all the uh mp files mp3 files that we we create uh so there is a monthly charge um that we pay for out of our own money so anything uh to help would be greatly appreciated even if it's Think of it like this, uh, $3 a month is only $36 a year. That's not bad. Um, but again, uh, it's just an option. I know, uh, time are, uh, troubling with, with money and, and jobs and things in, in this day and age. Um, all right. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. and with me in the state of New York. In New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? I'm doing all right. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you, sir? Good. Excellent. All right. We are the three co-hosts for this uh, podcast, and we do highly recommend that you folks check out our other podcasts that are on the network because the three co-hosts here are on almost all the other podcasts on the network. Um, so if you like what we have to talk about this show, you may be interested in what we have to talk about, some movies that we talk about, as well as other television series that we've uh, done podcasts on as well. Uh, we'll do some house cleaning on that at the end of the podcast, discuss uh, some of those podcasts. Uh, but what we are going to do here, uh, Mike, why don't, why don't you explain what we're going to do here with this podcast? And I mean, I gave a general idea that, you know, we're going to do a weekly thing, but uh, what, what else is going to go on with this podcast? And I guess Kaiju Monsters. Well, uh, so the King of Kaiju podcast is, of course, about the, uh, the, the Monarch TV series. So we're going to start doing what our usual format is, which is we'll jump into the uh, non-spoilery section of the episode or episodes, uh, and then we will go into more depth and more spoilers. Uh, and then uh, for this podcast, uh, to add something a little special to it, we're going to do a Kaiju of the Week. Since there are going to be nine episodes, there are three of us. Each of us will take turns picking a Kaiju of the Week uh, using the very loose definition of a Kaiju as a giant monster. So Frankenstein and Dracula are out, but obviously someone like uh, King Kong or Godzilla would certainly be in. And right. uh, so that'll be uh, where we finish off the podcast, and then we'll give our final thoughts to wrap up and uh, maybe what we're looking forward to for next week. Yes, yes. And uh, Kaiju also doesn't have to be simply Toho or or RKO, right? It could be any any giant right. monster, right? Yeah, so there you go. Right, so it could be something from, uh, let's say, them or uh, the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms or Gorgo or Kremers or any number of uh, films where there is a giant critter involved. Right. What about comic book monsters? I think that would work. You know, yeah. Kang Fu. 
Yeah, you know, a devil dinosaur or there you go. Yeah, stuff like that. All right. So anyway, um, <laughs> let's get into uh, our discussion. So uh, basically, uh, the listeners here, uh, hopefully you've you've uh, watched the the two episodes. If you haven't, um, we're we're still going to just talk general. Um, stuff before we get into the spoilers, uh, but obviously we're um, here and we're assuming you are here to listen to us give our thoughts and different opinions and things that maybe we saw that you didn't or whatnot uh, that may interest you. Um, so similar to after show podcasts and talk radio and, and things of that nature. Um, all right, so um, I guess we can get into uh, how we heard about this show and what we thought about it. Um, and um, I guess I'll start because um, I usually don't. I usually let everybody else do that on the other podcast. But uh, how I heard about this show was because I think Mike mentioned it uh, on our other podcast, Dark Discussions podcast, last week when we were recording that it was coming out, as well as co-host Eric uh, who's not part of this podcast, he mentioned it as well. And uh, I had no idea it was even coming out uh, until that. And so uh, that's how I heard about it. And um, so I watched the two episodes, I think the other night. Uh, what day was it? It was over the weekend. Um, and I um, decided to watch them back to back. And uh, my thoughts on the show um, – I like the show a lot. I think this is this is a really good show. Um like every show there is some some issues with some of the the characters, you know, the the tropiness. But generally the characters were uh created pretty well. Um they were very interesting. They had good backstories. Um they didn't annoy me as uh some uh television series have done in the past uh so i like the characters a lot um i i do know that i talked to a co-host eric of the dark discussions podcast offline and uh he sounded a little disappointed to me that uh there wasn't that much monsters however in the show and so he was kind of poo-pooing uh it a bit and i can understand that uh so that that is a fair fair argument uh though i i actually um uh, like these two episodes and the development of the characters that we're going to follow uh, going forward. So uh, I, I was uh, uh, not as upset about it um, at all. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed the show a lot, and uh, I hope it uh, keeps on going well. Uh, and I hope they stick away from some of the tropes um, and, and uh, of course, the, the – um, the gender stuff that they, they, they talked about in the 1950s, I think it was, which was uh, cute, but we, we've seen it so many times and so many other stuff that it, it kind of is like, we get the point. Uh, but all in all, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, let's go with you, Barrett. Yeah, I uh, like the show a lot, too. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I thought the first episode was not as good as the second episode, um, it felt a little too set uh, just a lot like that. Um, the second episode I felt went much smoother and, um, in general, it was just a more fun episode. Um, I think there were, I, I knew that there weren't going to be as many monsters as we would probably want in this. I can understand, 
you know, being disappointed with how much you see, but I was actually surprised with how much we did see considering it's a television show basically. <laughs> so, um, yeah, good show. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. All right. Sounds good. And, uh, Mike. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know what to think coming into this. Uh, I've enjoyed the, the MonsterVerse films. Uh, although, uh, I've also had reservations because uh, I think um, it, it's most of the giant monster movies. Uh, you're there for the monsters. Um, that kind of goes without saying. And the people, uh, the human story, the, the plots, whatever it is, giant alien insects or aliens with monkey masks or evil developers, whatever it is, tends to be not the best, right? Um and uh, th- th- those plots, I don't think, were that great in King of the Monsters or Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong. But I think they have done really well is with the monster action. But that's really freaking expensive when you're doing it by CGI. Uh, it's also not necessarily that cheap when you're destroying model sets with people in costumes. So um, I- I'm a little, uh, I was a little curious what they were going to do because obviously they're not going to do rubber suits. Uh, United States does not have a history of giant monster TV shows. Uh, there were some attempts. There was a show in uh, the 2000s called Surface uh, that was on NBC that didn't really quite get to the giant monster part of the giant monster TV show uh, before it was canceled. But I didn't really know to expect. So I guess I'm coming in. I guess what I'm saying is that really no expectations. Uh, and I found myself liking, although I'm not quite yet loving the show, uh, because I think they've done a good balance. I do think you're going to have to save the big monsters, the kaiju, for later in the season. You need something. You need to build up to something. This was not going to be uh, ten episodes of destroy all monsters. Um, I think we got uh, a cameo by Godzilla, actually a cameo by Godzilla in uh, both episodes in the form of a flashback. And then um, one, two, three other monsters in the first episode and one monster in the second, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, I think it could be right, yeah. But I think they did a decent job They did a good job setting up the characters and setting up sort of a mystery of how these two different timelines or three different timelines intersect, how the characters are related to each other, and how uh, these events are going to tie in together. I think it's interesting that they set, they're setting it where they are, uh, when they are, uh, which is sort of in between, in the middle of the four films that we've had so far, uh, rather than after them, which is kind of what I was expecting. Um and of course, you've got Kurt Russell, which is always going to be good. Indeed, indeed. All right, so that's good. Um, so that's our, our uh, thoughts on the first two episodes. Uh, so we'll just talk about some general stuff for a while, and then we'll throw up a spoiler alert, and uh, then we'll talk about everything and anything. Um, so uh, I want to start uh, because uh, that's a fair point, Mike. The, the the multi monsterverse or whatever it's called. Um, yeah, I, I was not a fan of those movies. I disliked most of them completely, except for Skull Island. Uh, that one I liked a lot. 
but the rest I, I was not a fan of at all. Um, but I, I do have to say, even though this is part of that universe, um, I feel that you could watch this and forget those movies and not even worry about it because, like you said, it, it's it's a, somewhere in the middle, and if there's separate stories, even though some of the characters from that movie, those movies, do make an appearance, specifically uh, the Skull Island uh, um, character of uh, John Goodman. Uh, who play, plays uh, Bill Randa. Um So I um, kind of oddly liked the, these two episodes better than the movies, except for maybe Skull Island. Um, and I'm not sure if that's heresy or not. Any no, I think – I don't think I so. I think there's a lot of – People will say that the Skull Island is probably the best of them, um, depending on – just because it's the one that is the most complete film. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, I think they all look great. All the character work is thin, but as I've said in all those reviews, that's not unusual for a giant monster movie. Um, or like it or not, that's I think that's certainly true. And um, – the biggest complaint about Gareth Edwards Godzilla nineteen uh, the nineteen uh, not nineteen two thousand fourteen one was there wasn't a lot of Godzilla in it you know because not a lot of Godzilla because it's Godzilla is really expensive to to do and but I think people generally like this the the, the when the Godzilla stuff was in it I think they like the Godzilla stuff that was there and that's one of the two touchstones of the film right is that is the San Francisco attack. Uh, all the rest of it is kind of ignored. Um, I think uh, Kong, Kong Skull Island, you know, gave us the whole uh, Hollow Earth theory, which I know it didn't come from, from Kong originally. It's been around forever. But that's the, what introduced that to this mythos. Um, but it also gave us... Uh, a new Skull Island filled with creatures, and that's where this seems to be kind of going, um, is seeing more monsters, uh, big and small. Not just the Titans, which we got in, um, in uh, let's say, King of the Monsters. Right, right. Now, um, I, I, I did see one thing that, that kind of Flew me, threw me for a loop with this um, was the um, character of Bill Rander again, um, the younger version of him from episode one and episode two. Um, he felt like a buffoon in the first episode that we see him. While in the second episode, he seems like he's pretty badass and and smart and and all that, and and I don't know how that happened. Um, it, it was just weird. I, it, he didn't seem like the same character in episode one and episode two, and I don't know why. But it, it's it, it was just strange because uh, episode well, I, two takes place in 1952. And he was really smart. And then episode one, the flashback is 1957, and he was—he seemed like a complete moron. But go ahead, Mike. You're going to say something. 
Well, in episode one and two, the Bill Rand is in two different timelines. One is in 1952, and the other is in, I think, 1957. So they're in two different places, and literally in two different places in the timeline. So he's in two different places in in his life. So that may have something to do with it. Um, When we meet him in the second episode, it's 1952, and he's kind of meeting these people for the first time, is probably more on guard. That would be my, and he's more comfortable with himself. And then there's going to be consequences, I think, for that in the in the first episode, which technically, chronologically, comes later. Right, right. Yeah. So, so that that was one curiosity um, that I had, especially rewatching, because I, I rewatched the two episodes for a second time as well, which I usually don't do that, um, but I I, I thought. It, was uh, interesting enough of a show to, to rewatch both episodes. Um, what else did we want to discuss uh, that's not spoiler related that um, people have on their lists? Uh, well, let's. Yeah, go on. So let's go through and maybe introduce the characters. There's again, there's two timelines, technically three at the moment, um, because right. it's. There's an earlier timeline set in the 1950s, and as I said, so there's a what might be the end of the 50s timeline in the first episode, which is 1959, and that will address why that's probably the end of that timeline. Yeah. Uh, in, in when we get to the spoilers, and then for the second episode, it jumps back seven years earlier from 59 to 52, and um, and then there's setting. In 2015, the year after, or two years after uh, the Godzilla attack in San Francisco, um, and there is a connection between the characters in the one timeline and the characters in the past, although, again, it's kind of a, a, I guess it might be a spoiler to get into into those connections. Uh, We do see, the actual series does start out with John Goodman's character, of Bill Randa in 1973 on Skull Island. Um, now, if you remember Skull Island, and I, I think we're safe spoiling. If you have not seen the MonsterVerse films, I don't know why you're watching the MonsterVerse TV series. Uh, you should certainly watch those films first, and definitely watch Skull Island. Um, but uh, we see him die in Skull Island. So, and this is not the way he dies in the. T- and so he's he, we see him being chased. I'm sorry, the kittens have gone crazy tonight. I don't know why. Um, but we see uh, him being chased by the, the creature called a Mommy Longlegs from Gull Island. Uh, and he's obviously going to survive that because he has to die somewhere else by being eaten by a, uh, what is it called, skull crawler? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. right. um, right. he gets eaten <laughs> by the skull crawler in, uh, in, the, in the film. And... Uh, he throws a package into the ocean, and that's kind of going to kickstart events uh, a little later. It's basically a farewell to his son, right? He's it's making a recording to his son, apologizing, you know, for some mistakes that were made, 
sealing it up in a watertight pouch with the Monarch logo, throwing it into the ocean, and then many years later, it's picked up by a fishing trawler. Uh, did anyone pick up the year that it was retrieved? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was – oh, yeah. I can't remember. Uh, it was really uh, many years later. Um, I'll, I'll, I have the show on in the background, so what you can continue, Mike, and I'll, I'll let you know when, I, when it comes up. I'm, I'm going to fast forward to that scene. Uh, oh, anyway, so that's – Yeah, so 1973, and um, a – he throws it in, and then it's 20, 20, 2001. Oh, no, 2013. Uh, the the, uh, the troller, the fishing troller picks it up. Yeah. Now, I don't know if something like that would survive for 40 years floating in the ocean, but you know what? Let's just run with it because this is a world of with a hollow earth with a giant sun in the middle and giant monsters running around. So that's hardly the least uh Implausible thing that we could run across. Yeah. Um, so I think in the 1950s you have three characters. You have uh, a young Bill Randa. Uh, who, I don't remember what was the name of the the scientist. Oh, uh, Kiko Mayura. Okay, so you have Kiko. The scientist, and then you have uh, Lee Shaw, who's played by Wyatt Russell, which uh, who is the son of Kurt Russell, and is uh, if you if anyone here watches the Marvel stuff and uh, saw Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Wyatt Russell played the uh, uh, U.S. agents, uh, and I don't know why uh, John Walker uh, and uh, I think was really good for that role, and is basically playing their their guardian soldier in um, in this timeline. Now, Mike, let me ask you this: It's uh, I I haven't revisited the MonsterVerse films for a while. Is this character? I don't think this character is in any of the MonsterVerse movies, right? No, the the only character is is Bill Randa, yeah, and we don't really know much about him other than the fact that in Skull Island. He is an agent of Monarch. We don't know much about Monarch in 1973 when Kung, Sky, Kung Skull Island is set. Um, right. And it's he basically, I think he's, we know that Monarch is on the verge of being shut down. He's a fanatic who believes that there's monsters out there and is set, setting out to prove it. And that's why he arranges this expedition to Skull Island is to prove that monsters exist. Now, my understanding is there's – so there's a novelization. I know there's been a couple of graphic novels set in the MonsterVerse. I have not read any of them. Uh, so I'm going from what I've pieced together, doing a little bit of research. So there is a story for Randa that had already been established that he had been on a ship um, and he was the sole survivor and uh, when he was in the Navy and uh, – he believes the ship was destroyed by, I don't know if it's destroyed by Godzilla or just by a monster. Uh, and that's what has led to his obsession with, right, with, with cryptozoology and with Monarch. Right, right. Yeah, because by no, no, the Skull Island film, when that character appears, um, he seems uh, much different of a character than we see in this television series here. Uh, again, there's a big time difference. But um, he seems more mysterious and more uh, stuck 
in the the government machine in the the Skull Island film um, versus here, where where he seems more of a, like an idealist and 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 whatnot. So so uh, obviously they're either rewriting the character to be more idealistic in the past, or or um, this was always a plan that he was going to be changing a little bit when he, we hit the movie. Uh, but my guess is that they decided to, to make him more of a idealist um, after the fact, rather than have a character that was developed from from the beginning to be what we see here versus what we saw in Skull Island. But um, at least that's my thoughts, anyway. Well, I think we have, we'll have, we'll we'll come across the reason why he might be again a different character yeah. uh, when we get to the end of the first episode. And yeah, that's spoilers. A, that's, yeah, that's that's actually a fair point. Yeah, that's yeah. a fair point. Yeah. Fair so, um, in the present, we meet two characters, Keiko and Kentaro. Uh, you mean Kate, not not Keiko? You know, right? Sorry, right, uh, sorry. Kate and Kentaro, or Kent, or whatever, yeah. Uh, yeah. who are half siblings shared by a common father that they did not know they had in common. Uh, yeah, this is a pretty and bad that's a that's story. a that's a weird story. I don't know why they're going there. It's a little creepy. Uh, yeah. And um, Kentaro's mom is is one of the characters. His ex girlfriend May, who's a computer specialist hacker type, is yeah. uh, who's American. This story is at the moment set in Japan, um, yeah. and basically Kate is coming from San Francisco. Uh, she lost her father at some time. Uh, something we, I think we're we're a little bit led to believe that he died in San Francisco, but turns out that's not how he died. He did not die from the Godzilla attack. But she's trying to piece pieces of his life together and uh, in tracking down his past in Japan and in some of his property in Japan, she runs into a half-sibling that she didn't know anything about. And then there's the mystery of it's no surprise, I don't think I'm spoiling anything to say that the father uh, Hikaru, I think, um, Worked for Monarch, right? And, and then sure. all of this will tie together with the story from the past, and we will see where it goes in the future. And um, let me ask you this, Mike: is there is there yeah. a, is it a spoiler to talk about Kate's last name being Randa? And and then, well, it is now. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, because it, it's brought up right away. So if if you're astute, you would notice right away that there must be a connection there, right? Yes. So I don't. I, I mean, even though you do learn more about it later in in the film or, or show, I should say. You, if, so yes, if, there, if you're there, astute, you can figure it out pretty quick. Right. So there is a connection, and it's fair to say that uh, you'll. Astute observers will note that both Kate and uh, her half brother are of Asian descent, uh, mm -hmm. and and that 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 is a thing that is, is has a plot relevance. Um, but, but yeah, you know I don't, is there anything, Barrett, that yeah. that we should lay down before the the spoiler? Yeah, the spoilers. And so in the in the past, there 
like I'm guessing the starting of Monarch. Uh, if you notice, Phil, uh, I know you uh, have an affection for uh, baseball. Uh, the young Bill Randa is wearing a KC baseball cap. That's right. Uh, that is so the, that would be the yeah. A's. Oh, oh, the A's, right? That would be the A's. No, that's actually the Kansas City Monarchs. Kansas City, yeah. Oh, the Mon- oh, oh. So was is that the uh, the Negro Leagues? That was the Negro Leagues team. Uh, yeah, yeah, and right. and gotcha, so gotcha. that leads me to think that I'm guessing I'm guessing that Monarch doesn't exist at that point in time, and that he will probably be the one to found it and therefore name it. You know, based on just the fact that he's a fan of the Kansas City Monarchs. Yeah. Um, right. So that's so that that I thought was an interesting bit of. I thought that was an interesting bit of trivia. Right. Right. Yeah. The team uh, existed between 1920 to 1965 in Kansas City. So the time frame does work out. Um, and about half the teams in the Negro Leagues seem to be named Giants or Monarchs. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. I, I, what else do we want to lay out that isn't spoilery? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you have anything, Barrett? No, I think if we say much more, we're going to be spoiling. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so we'll we'll, we'll, assume, we'll just throw it up now because we're assuming that most people. Who are uh, listening to this podcast or have probably watched the show? Let's anyway. Let's be clear too. It's like you know, with three timelines, it's hard not to spoil something if we start talking about one of them. Yeah, three uh, intersecting timelines, right? They they right. are right. exactly. Yeah, so they're going the the Westworld bit a little bit um, as well. Um, all right, so let's just throw up the spoiler alert and uh, we'll we'll talk about pretty much everything and anything. Um, now, now some of the stuff that, that was strange is, is why did they decide to make the, the techie an expat American uh, versus just having her be a Japanese woman? I, I, I thought that was kind of strange, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, well, in the old days when they made TV shows, right, they always had the family. Right. So it was always, you know, and the reason for that was because they believed that kind of where we are now with representation and, well, mom's going to want to see a mom. The kids are going to want to see kids and dad's going to want to see a dad. And so you have to have a mom, a dad and kids in every TV show because there was one TV in the house and you wanted everybody sitting there and watching the advertising together. Um, And we're kind of still in that that mindset where there's the notion that. Uh, and I don't know that this is entirely untrue, but if you are American, you want to watch an Ameri- Americans in a TV show. And if you are uh, white, you want to watch white people. Black, you want to watch black people. Asian, you want to watch Asian people. Straight, you want to watch straight people. Gay, you want to watch gay people. So every TV show has to have uh, it's not every, every group yeah. represented or as many groups as you could possibly squeeze in there. Sorry, Polynesians, you don't rate yet. Um, but whether that's good or bad is indifferent. That is what they do. Um, so I think this is just where, a where way was, to. Where was the Latino? There, yeah, there. Wait, wait. Right, right. Uh, maybe, maybe one will come. Um, what about the South South Asian? But yeah, anyway. well, that's it. That's that's the problem. And then, you know, I think for you know, I don't want to get into this. It's a whole thing about representation. Yeah, yeah. 
but I do think that while there is some, uh, there's definitely merit to it, uh, but there's a lot of ways that we can identify with someone that does not just have to do with their race, gender, and sexuality. Um, you know, you might, I, I teach science, so I might be attracted, scratch that, identify with the, the scientist character, right? You know, it's, or, you know, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to matter the fact that, you know, she's an Asian woman and I'm a white male. Um, it's, there's all sorts of things that you can do to identify it with, but they're just trying the more diversity they can get into it, uh, the better. So, and quite frankly, right. they, they, they figure that an American audience and they need an American audience and this is an American audience and the Japanese audience are going to be the two main audiences for this TV series. Uh, so right. you have but one story Kate, with largely but, American characters, one story set in Japan with largely Japanese characters, and that satisfies both audiences. Right. It, it was just strange though, because technically Kate is American. At least, you know, the character is. I mean, the actress is New Zealand, a Kiwi, but but she's an American. So it was just it was just strange. I know. Um, Wesley Anderson uh, got some uh, backlash for If an Isle of Dogs, where he had uh, the Greta Gerwig voice character, Tracy Walker. That was a foreign exchange student in that film being in the film. And why didn't they just have her as a – that character as a Japanese character and so on. So, so it, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, it was just an interesting thing aspect, I thought. Um, also, uh, our, you mentioned it earlier, Mike. Uh, since we're in spoilers, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, that we have people's last name of Rander. Are would you say Kate Randa and um, uh, Kentaro Randa? I, I assume they're they're a quarter Caucasian. Is that is that is that my understanding? If if their grandfather is uh, Bill Randa, is that right? Right. So it, the so the presumption is. Uh, one of the characters says my father, like, uh, their father was 18, I guess, when, when his father died. Now, right. if the father is Bill Randa, John Goodman's character, he died in 1973. That means right. that the, uh, the father of Kate and Kentaro was, uh, 18 in 1973, which meant he was born approximately 1955, uh, give or take a few months. Right. Uh, you know, Assuming he was not literally 18 on the nose. Um, and that would imply not that uh, that Bill Randa and the scientists from 1952 uh, were uh, are going to get married or, well, maybe not get married, are going to have a child together. Right. I'm assuming they got married because it's 1952. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, the child's, I mean, not that uh, unmarried couple that they still could have the the child have the the wife's maiden name, but I'm, I'm just based off of how they they were talking in the car in the second episode, or, or I should say the whatever episode they were introduced to to be lovers, I guess that it was, it was implied that uh, they had gotten married, I thought, but yeah, it, it, again, you, like you said, it's 1952, 1957, whatever, 1959, you, you figure that they got married to be honest back in those days. Right. Yeah. And they almost certainly, even today, you know, I've got a lot of students 
who have a different last name than their mom does because uh, most of them still have their father's name, whether they were divorced and right. remarried or just, you know, never married in the first place. Sure, so, sure. And that's that's today. So certainly in 1955, um, the child almost certainly, and especially in a patriarchal society like Japan, uh, would almost certainly take the uh, um, the father's name. Right. Sure, sure. Um, and and patriarchal like the United States too was at the time too, uh, since we don't actually know where they ended up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. That's true. Um, now, what else did I want to bring up about that? Um, so, uh, another interesting aspect was the the easy coincidence that Bill Randa bumps into um, Kiko. And um, in the middle of the jungle, yeah, that that that, that was. Well, but look, but you know, you you go with it. Go, yeah, go we on, can sorry. go with it. Plus, we could say that maybe he's um, interested in anyone coming in there. Maybe he's looking out for people coming in there. Um, I, I'm I'm willing to accept that one <laughs> for that reason. Well, I, I think it's because. It's you know why is it that Indiana Jones keeps running into Belloc? It's because they keep hunting for the same thing, right? Yeah. And sure. in this case, uh, she's hunting for radiation anomalies, um, and he's hunting for kaiju. And as we learned in the, the first Godzilla film, the Titans, the Mudos, whatever you want to call them, uh. They consume radiation. They are attracted to radiation. And so it makes some sense that she goes to this place where there's supposed to be high radiation readings and finds none. That at some point there was radiation there and that the the kaiju consumed it uh, or absorbed it. And so the radiation brought her, the kaiju brought him, and that's how they end up meeting in that 1952 episode. Uh, And then... That's where the relationship begins. Obviously, uh, it is likely to uh, to blossom in sometime in the next two years uh, with uh, poor Lee Shaw on the outside looking in. Yeah, he screwed that one up big time. Um, what? Let me ask you this, because this one really got me confused, too. And, again, it felt like some sort of representation thing rather than real realism. And, again, I think the movies may have done this, too. But, again, this is 1952, 1959. How the hell could two Americans, including an American soldier and a Japanese woman, be able to go into the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics and specifically Kazakhstan or the Kazakhstanian uh, Kazakh Soviet Socialist Republic during the middle of the Cold War. That that made no sense to me, especially without any Russian uh, intelligence or or soldiers or government officials with them. Well, I, I don't probably, know. I think it's easier back then to get across um, country borders. Um, during the middle of Cold War, in the middle of Kazakhstan, I don't know. You know, I mean, there's going to be areas that are easier. I, I would have said, you know, yeah, during the Cold War, you get into Eastern Europe, that's a little tougher than Kazakhstan. 
I mean, Soviet Union is, as you know, was massive. massive. Yeah. And massive but, countries have massive borders. But we do know that Kazakhstan, well, at the time, before their independence, uh, was a, a huge nuclear power because they had multiple silo bases throughout that country. So you you would think that yeah, but you still had you couldn't guard every inch of that perimeter. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It, it's just it was just kind of strange to see an American soldier in in, in the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics without. I don't know. It was just it was just weird. I, I was just yeah, but I, I think that's just not if this is not a, a, if this was a novel, you could kind of tell that story. Yeah. But but why, why did they use I, again? I'm, I'm not I'm not because it was a nuclear power. That's why. And they're, oh, they're, they're, that, and they're trying, and, and, yeah, and fair, I think fair. they're trying to just give it exotic locales. You know, send well, them all I, around the world. Why, why, uh, why did they say uh, French Guinea or something? And and well, maybe that's that, episode that, seven. That France, French Guinea, you know, pretend France had their nuclear weapons, you know, stationed there or something. I don't know. But I see your point now. Yeah, that's fair. Because the Soviet Union was R- Russian, and specifically Kazakhstan. Um, so it makes sense that the Mudos would be there. It was just that it was weird that there was no Soviet people there. You know, it was just strange. I, I, I don't know. I've and then there are I, some yeah. things I think they're trying to set up. Uh, so they have to make uh, the discovery. So while they're in Kazakhstan, they find a uh, a ship, which was Bill Randa's old ship that was destroyed somewhere in the neighborhood of Pearl Harbor, and yet. Here it is, you know, in the middle a thousand of, uh, miles away. I, li- I like that you brought that up because I texted you guys this, where I said this is beginning to feel like Close Encounters, the movie of the third kind. And then literally 20 minutes in after I texted that, I, I see this scene with the boat. And I go, there it is, my, my Close Encounters of the third kind in- failing or influence. This, I felt, had it. And I, I don't think I'm imagining it, especially when 20 minutes after saying it, we we have a boat in the middle of Kazakhstan, similar to the boat that was in the middle of the Mongolian desert in Close Encounters, that I was like, you know, I, I know that was added, you know, that was the second uh, release of, of the film, like six months later that he, uh, Spielberg re-added that piece in. But the point is, is that it, it, it did feel very much like that type of uh, adventure, I felt. I, I don't know. I, I, it was just interesting. Well, the boat isn't in Kazakhstan, is it? it weren't they yeah. in, in Japan area for that for that period of time? So wherever it was, they had ended up. Um, oh yeah, that's a good point. They were in was? Japan in that in that 1952 timeline. I thought. Uh, oh, I thought that was Kazakhstan. Still, I know 59. Oh, no, no, right. Kazakhstan, was, no, Kazakhstan was in the first film. Not first film, first episode. First episode, yeah. Um, where, where was it? Japan? I thought that's Southeast where we Asia? were at that uh, point. Oh, oh, oh no, oh, was that Philippines? Because there were jungles and stuff. No, no, no. Right. The, yes, yeah. The first part was Philippines, and the yeah. second part was Kazakhstan. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So, so this must have been the Philippines. You're right. Okay, okay. It makes a little more sense that it would be in the Philippines in the middle of Kazakhstan. However, um. It still reminded me of, of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. No, well, because it's, it's uh, 
people, hunt, scientists hunting an anomaly, right? So that yeah, right. yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So that that makes perfect sense, and the I'm sure on some level, uh, I mean, it's fair to say, Close Encounters has become one of the most influential movies ever made. Yeah, I would, I would, I would concur with that. Yeah, yeah, even if it's oddly forgotten more than than I would have expected, I would concur with that statement, Mike. So, yeah, so it wouldn't shock me if that was directly lifted from that or Philadelphia experiment or something. And now here's where I, I, I'm going to guess this is going to come in because um, one of the major pieces of lore uh, in the MonsterVerse is that you have these uh, underground the hollow earth has all these underground tunnels that work like warp pipes from Pac-Man and Super Mario that can take you across the world in moments. Oh, right, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair point. And so, so I'm going to guess, right, that I don't think a Godzilla dragged the ship there, you know, a thousand miles. Um, I think it's more likely he dragged it like underwater uh, or, or dragged it somewhere into the hollow earth, uh, or some other kaiju did, and then that ended up being transported where it was transported. Uh, it is a, a lot of the hollow earth stuff is stuff that I'm not thrilled with, because again, I keep dealing with, I know it's a world with giant monsters, but just the, the science plausibilities, it, it stretches it for me. But once you've established it, it's there. It's a feature of the world. And, you know, we're getting to something that's less and less resembles our actual world with each installment of uh, of a film in this series. And so now that it's established, even though I wasn't a fan of it when it was introduced, it is a part of it, and I'll roll with it. Uh, yeah, it was unfortunate. And so that might also, and I, I've heard some others uh, pass on this conjecture, that might tie, it in, tie into the father because one of the uh, other plot points we're seeing is in the uh, in, in the present day. Uh, the father, uh, Hikaru, uh, was. It, it wasn't just that that he had you know uh, a, a child in America and a child in Japan. He also had a wife in America and a wife in Japan. So he was doing uh, the whole. Uh, bigamy thing with the secret family as far as we know and uh, yeah so uh, this may have been how he got back and forth right and was he a the question is was it because he was undercover or was he just a pervert either way it's 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 still pretty gross well there are things that haven't been clarified so I don't know how old these two characters are. Um, they right. seem to be close in age. Right. Well, we can assume Kate is fully grown woman because she's a school teacher. So we're assuming she could be anywhere between twenty-two and up. So that's guaranteed. Um, and although I have a colleague this year who didn't who turned twenty-one. Uh, Back in October, so okay, uh, right. but, but but that's anecdotal. 
No, no, she really did turn twenty-one. No, no, um, but that's but yeah, that's, no, no, so that, that, she's, that, that, she's definitely an outlier. But yeah, she's that's most what I'm likely. Saying, anecdotal. Yeah, exactly. And we're also assuming um, that she was actually a teacher. We know. So there's a scene in the in in the 2014 Godzilla film of a school bus going over the bridge, and this gives us a little bit more of that by making her someone who was on that school bus trying to help kids off. So because she's an adult. Sorry, uh, she was an adult on the school bus uh, helping kids get off. We are assuming she was a teacher. I, I think that's a pretty safe assumption. Yeah, I, I would concur um, that she was most likely the teacher. It there, there was there was enough there to make that assumption be the most likely. So, um. But she could be anywhere from I would say twenty five to thirty five, right? Um and and I Yeah. And uh the other ones I could be something similar. Yep. Uh I'm not sure how old either one is. We don't know if like was he ever married to uh to Kent's mom or uh were they married and divorced, you know, and he just never spoke about that part of his life. Uh, that's never firmly established, right? But the the implication I, that I've gotten and anyone I've listened to or watched about this show at this point, they're all taking the the idea that what we are, which is that he was having uh, two families, right. and that that just is a little weird to do with a character who will probably end up. <laughs> As a as a significant character in some way in this in this series, yeah, right. I felt like this this whole storyline is definitely <laughs> bizarro. I'm not sure why they went there at all. Uh, I think they could have thought of something different. It's yeah. the, the only thing that kind of bugs me about the whole show at all. But it's fine. It's lost in the past now for me. So <laughs> I like the characters. And that they've uh, they're working together, so I find it interesting. Well, yeah, also that. the fact that he disappeared. Uh, he was did not disappear in San Francisco. He disappeared uh, somewhere else after San Francisco. He clearly works for Monarch. Um, and is going to hunt down monsters. And there's no body return, so we all we all know what that means, right? Right, he's still alive somewhere. Right. Well, technically, you could argue that you know you're never going to find the body if he was eaten. But we're assuming because they're leaving it so open ended that most. Well, likely, and the way Kurt Russell's character talks about it later on, it, it leaves a little less open. I mean, it, yeah. he makes it sound like he's still around. Just what he that's, means. That's that's what I'm, I'm guessing too. Yeah. So if that's the case, that's the case. Not only is he a scumbag for having two families. Uh, a bigamist, basically, but he abandons both of the families. Well, we don't know if he's in a position where he can come back to them, right? So that's I don't fair. want to say that's that he's fair. he's the liberal well, families. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, he could be sitting with a monitor on his foot, like Kurt Russell's character, and unable to escape. Um, so that that that's fair too. So. But it is really weird to put your 
two lead characters, uh, two of your, well, at least in this storyline, your two lead characters into this, uh, into this Jerry Springer storyline. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm also curious, uh, how they are going to be able to afford, including having the May character go with them, to be able to do what they do, you know, because it gets expensive. I mean, we, we know, Mike, by just going on YouTube, Barrett, just going to a convention for a three-day weekend, that's pretty expensive. So they're, it appears, they're journeying all over the place. I don't, I don't know, um, you know, again, this is that's this is a nitpick. This is a thing that you know, even in novels, you know, people just ignore. Um, but money, <laughs> yeah, Things money, exactly. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Because again, we're not talking about characters like their grandparents, who were obviously being well funded and able to do all this stuff because they're getting, you know, sponsored by governments and military and all this other stuff. These are just kids. And when I say kids, I don't mean kids, kids, but I mean, you know, young adults that are working nine to five jobs that aren't filthy rich. And so how are they going to be able to to do what they are going to do in the next seven episodes or eight episodes of the show? But again, just a nitpick, I, I noticed. Well, they, 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 they do come up with a contact in uh, – That's true. In, in the end of the second episode that might – might be able to supply the the finance. Yeah, that's a fair right. point. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, actually. So Lee Shaw, yeah, that's excellent. Um, yeah. So I I I was getting the idea that they were going to meet up with Lee Shaw, and we pretty much all knew that Lee Shaw was still alive in the present because again. Um, Kurt Russell was starring in it, and that they were promoting it big time that he's starring in it, and, and that he's playing the same character as his son. Exactly, exactly. So, and it's weird because as a, as a seventy some odd year old Kurt Russell, uh, I can see the resemblance between his son and him, but as yep, someone yep. who grew up watching Kurt Russell, yep. Wyatt Russell looks like a bad drawing of Kurt Russell. <laughs> That's well, so funny, Mike, because my wife was like, he's just not as attractive as Kurt Russell. He's got unfortunate looks <laughs> comparatively. Well, well, well he's, he's, he's a decent looking guy, but he but, is. Yeah. He's just not quite the same as Kurt Russell. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, because he's half Goldie Hawn. Right. You know, he's not Kurt Russell. He's, he's only half Kurt Russell. Oh, I know. But you'd yeah. think those two halves together would be even more amazing. You know what I mean? It's just actually, you know, it's funny. He, <laughs> he actually looks like his, his, uh, his, uh, grandfather more than anybody, uh, Bing, uh, Russell, who, um, it says here was a, the father of Hollywood actor, Kurt Russell and grandfather of ex major league baseball player, Matt Franco and actor Wyatt Russell. Um, and he was an American actor and class a minor league baseball club owner. And, they are identical. He looks identical to to his grandfather. It's kind of funny. Um, no, I do think if they actually ever decide to do a sequel to the thing, you put a big shaggy beard on him and a big mane of hair, he, he could probably pass for young Kurt Russell. Yeah, it, well, yeah. and if his hair was a little darker, right? Well, if you look at his picture on uh, Wikipedia, he, he definitely is a good-looking guy. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. 
I wasn't saying that he's not good looking. We were just comparing him to his dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. That's a fair point. Just saying he wasn't quite as fortunate as dad as his dad was. <laughs> well, and even then, it's just it's not that I'm saying he's he's a bad looking person. It's just like no, no. Yeah. When I but it's like when I look at our, our let's say when uh, our art classes post some of their pictures and. Or they say, oh, look, I drew this picture, and they show me a portrait, and I'm trying to figure out, like, I know who that is, but I don't quite – can't tell for sure. And because, like, the kid just drew somebody, and they have some of the hallmarks of who it is that they're they're trying to draw, but they don't have the – quite the skill to capture him precisely. So it just – and that that's kind of what this is. He's like – looks like a bad drawing of Kurt Russell, like an art student draw. It's still recognizably Kurt Russell. Just off, if that's what he was right, trying to right. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And honestly, like I said, he, he looks just like his grandfather. It's kind of funny. Um, He's got a very, the very distinctive voice, and it sounds like Kurt Russell. So it's kind of weird there too. If you weren't looking at the screen, right. you might mistake them. Right. What what he has of his mother is the, is the blonde hair. Yep. Yeah. Um. So what else? Um, so yeah, so we knew he was gonna um, come about, but yeah, I, I would agree. If if I did not read in advance that Wyatt Russell was Kurt Russell's son, I would not have guessed that they were related because they do they don't look that similar, like you, like you said, Barrett. So that that's fair. Um, let's see. So well, I didn't pick up on it watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, which he was in, as I said earlier. But um, yeah. I think here, knowing that he's playing young Kurt Russell, that I would it would have clicked then. Sure, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now, and Russell is, uh, is one of those names that I don't know if that's Kurt Russell's real name or his stage name. Yeah, no, that's his real name. Uh, they're 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 uh, his whole family grew up originally is from not too far from where I live. They're from Brattleboro, Vermont, I think, and their, their name is Russell. So they're old old Yankees. Okay, but I was yeah. going to say that that is a name, sort of like you have Tom Cruise, um, or or Michael Keaton or Michael Douglas, where they're not they're, they're real names. Um, right? Yeah, because Tom Cruise isn't Cruise his middle name? I think I don't. Uh, know. Yeah, yeah, his yeah. Name, yeah. It was Matt Yeah, yeah. It's his middle name. Uh, Cruise is his middle name. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, my, Michael Douglas—that's his real name. Because it's his father who changed the name, right? Kurt Douglas. Right. I think it's yeah. uh, Michael Keaton was Michael Douglas and had to change his name. Oh, okay. And and then of course uh, Martin Sheen is really Estevez. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, Russell. Believe it or not, that's a real name. That's that's actually okay. who he is. Yeah. Yeah. They're all Yankees from Vermont. Um. So. Um. Where else were we? Um, oh yeah, so so the the actress that plays the daughter, Anna Sawa, uh, I I like her a lot. I, I think she was she was really good. Um, she is the character I think that's going to hold up the modern era story. As when, yeah, when I like all the characters. I like her. I like her brother. I like I like her mom. Not, well, not her mom. His mom. Um, yeah, she, yeah, I, she was good too. Yeah, I think they all they all work, and the same thing going in the past. I think those characters work. I do think Bill Rand is a little bit of a doofus. Um, 
but that's because there's a tragic arc to his story. So we see um, uh, when he makes that video recording at the very beginning of episode one, that he's apologizing to his son for mistakes he made. And yeah, think- I'm glad you said that to me, Mike, because when I, when I rewatched that episode, I was saying, is he saying sorry to Lee Shaw? Because it didn't make any sense. And then when you said, no, he's probably saying it to his son, it, then it makes sense. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. So I'm glad you brought that up, Mike, because I was confused who he was talking to in the video. But anyway, right, Well, he almost certainly is blaming himself. So if you've watched it, you've made it to episode two. And what was my favorite moment of the series so far uh, is seeing uh, seeing the mom die at the end of episode one. Um, presumably. And we, oh yeah, she's got to be dead. Uh, but you're right. They're, they're, we didn't see the body. But not only did she fall, but we have monsters eating her. But again, yeah. if she if she fell into one of those holes that don't kill you because they just lead you to you know they're like those wormholes. Did they the, do that reverse gravity thing? Yeah. Yeah. Then maybe you're right, Mike. Maybe she's not dead. But I, I my my little girls walked in when I was watching that scene and they said, Oh, I got, yeah. They said, did she die? And I go, yeah, because look at the, all the bugs eating her. And yeah, then, there were so then, many bugs. It's hard and then to my, even falling and, then my, live. <laughs> and then my daughter said that, then my daughter said, not only that daddy, but, but she just fell and you can't survive after that fall. I go, that's a fair point too. But again, it could be a wormhole too. So I'm thinking she's dead because we're talking. And if she's not dead, She's lost in in the underworld, and they're not going to find her. Or, and when they do find her, she's going to be like a ninety year old woman. Because by the time, or well, ninety year, not a ninety year old, but a seventy something year old woman, uh, because that's what how old Kurt Russell is in this show. So I, I mean, everybody's assuming she's dead because based off of. The grandkids in 2015, I think it is, right, or 2023 now, I don't know whenever the, the modern era is, they're saying that they, their, their grandmother is dead. Right, so, so I think they assume she's dead. I think she's just, she can be assumed to be dead. Generally, I think there's a – I've heard speculation that I think is heroist, um, which I'll get to in a moment. So I don't want to feed the speculation. I'll just say to people, I mean, I don't want to say that I think it has a whole lot of weight, but hey, you have a world, the world that we live in, why not? Um, so uh, you, anyway, it's she, if she's still alive, I think it's fair to say everyone assumes she's dead. And I think that explains the differences in Bill Randa's character. I think it explains why he goes from this obsession of finding the monsters because it's the monster that sank his ship. Uh, to now, you know, these are things, this obsession got his wife killed and the mother of his son killed, you know, even more importantly. And uh, his, and I think that ends up being significant. And that may change his attitude as to why he's obsessed. And I don't know if he's going to go look for her or if he blames them or he's just looking for some uh, credit to prove he was right and that this is to get people to believe that as to what happened to his wife or something, but it, it almost certainly changes his motivation uh, in the story as to why he's hunting these creatures down. 
Right, right. Yeah, so I, I, I get that, that he becomes a different person after his wife dies, I assume. Um, and he becomes more hardened and more governmental and more part of the uh, intelligence machine and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, actually, it's kind of interesting because I did bring up Westworld and how this timeline switching around is like the first season of Westworld. And we find out that you know, he's almost like the man in black where he's this idealist guy. And then by the end, he's an old guy that's that's kind of a dink um, or corrupt or something. And um, that's how I felt he was in, in Skull Island anyway. But um, now I, I think the best scene of the whole show, in my opinion – was the San Francisco flashback. I thought that scene was fantastic. That was also cool because it showed her that now that's giving her motivation. It gives her some post-traumatic stress, not simply because uh, he had to fight a giant monster, not fight, but she encountered a giant monster that people didn't know existed, but that, she watched a school bus full of children that she was probably she was responsible for fall off the bridge, and I'm going out on limb here and guessing uh, died. Yeah, yeah, and again, it's not her fault. I mean, I mean, there's no one's fault for this. I mean, she got three kids out, and then the the bus went over because um, something I forget what it was a, a car or something fell near the bus and it shut the whole bridge, and it just everything tumbled after that. And so it's not her fault. I mean. No one's fault for Godzilla. Um, but that's enough to make anybody effed up going forward in life um, because of what happened, right? Even if, you know, if it truly wasn't her fault. Um, so, yeah, because I'm, I'm looking here now. There's three kids she pulls out of the bus. And then Godzilla, yeah, that is. He, he, he flips out and a chunk of... Uh, McAdam comes ripped off the bridge, falls next to where she's located, and it hits the bus, and, and the bus fall, tumbles down, and everybody dies. We're assuming. Um, so that kind of sucks. Um, I did love the when she gets in the cab to go in Tokyo, and uh, I'm assuming it's Tokyo. Um, but she she gets in the cab, and the cab driver goes. Uh, uh, the Godzilla was faked by CGI, and I'm a podcaster, so I, I, I love that research. conspiracy. Yeah, that conspiracy <laughs> yeah. stuff was yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, and it's funny because you're seeing it. I mean, you obviously had if those who remember. Uh, it's been what uh, twenty two years since nine eleven. So there was a video called Loose Change. Yep, yep. That hypothesized that said that the uh, the plane hitting the towers was a holo- not the towers. The plane hitting the Pentagon was a holographic projection. Um, there's all this. Yeah, know. well, they, they they threw a bunch of stuff. That was just one of many, but some of them oh, were, yeah. were very, some of them were very interesting. Like makes you think, but but a lot of them were like stupid. But I think I think that movie Loose Change was showing numerous uh, things, both ridiculous and. Um, 
it was significant work. enough that I think it was popular mechanics basically devoted an issue to it. Yeah, and de- yeah, and debunking yeah. the the claims in it, and um, I, like I I, I just I, I just it was a student of mine who had mentioned it, and I was like, okay, it's just because I've heard the stuff he was saying, and I had to watch it, and it was like, so for instance, they right, have well the, the third tower that fell and all this other stuff, but yeah, but, I mean, well, we, yeah, we there's that. We and, like, was there? Yeah. Anyway, so we're not yeah. giving any time with that. Just go yeah, look yeah. it up. And it's stupid, but then. You had the. Um, well, I, I won't. Uh, I won't. I won't say it's stupid. I will just say that. No, I will. And I will say it's stupid. I will say it's it's stupid and 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 libelous. Um, but well, I, it's, I'm, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, Mike. I'm just saying that it's just your it's just an opinion, and and that's a valid. No, opinion. no, it's not a just an opinion. Uh, it's stupid, and if uh, it, it's just factually wrong about so many things, and. Um, then the other thing is, you had the Sandy Hook and the Crisis Actors, and uh, who's the talk show host that basically lost his life? Alex Jones uh, right. got sued over that. Right, but but what? what, right, what, what, what oh, oh, actually, you're comparing it to to the the CGI Godzilla stuff that the guys that got yeah, exactly. I, I was I'm confused why we were going down this rabbit hole, but yeah, okay, I get it now. Right, and even yeah, now you're yeah. getting uh, getting that with people claiming uh, at the October seventh. Hamas uh, invasion of uh, of Israel that those were that, that the videos are fake. Oh and, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're you're seeing all these things. This is you know there would be something like that would happen. Uh, and with so, a yeah, big incident with a big incident like this Godzilla thing. Gotcha. Yeah, in San Francisco. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and you know, I mean, I mean, I I could see why this this taxi driver would 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 have this conspiracy because giant monsters, that's ridiculous. But again, um, in this world, in theory, they, I don't know. It, it's, it, it is interesting. It's just, just, I, I like how they, it was a wink to, and a nod to, to, uh, like you said, the, the, these conspiracy theories that pop up. Yeah. So, um, let's see what else. Um, Now the monster that was at the the ship that Randa was stationed on in WW two, the big one, was he was that monster the one that actually probably took out the ship, or was it just feeding on the nuclear reactor that was probably or whatever was hanging around in the ship? You mean the one at the end of the episode? Yeah. The the dragon, for lack of a better yeah, term. Yeah, the dragon. Yeah, because that's what they. Call I am it. not clear on that. I, I don't. Barrett, did you? Were you clear on that? Because there is no is nuclear it? reactors back in in with those type of ships. So, I was confused a little bit. It wasn't explained, but I mean, not everything is that's radioactive is the thing they attack. I mean, sometimes they just attack. Um, Right, that's true. Sometimes to get to something like a radioactive thing, they'll attack the ship. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's we don't have enough context, I think, to know why. We just know that he was on that ship for several tours, but wasn't on it when it disappeared. Obviously, right, right. Yeah, it's it was a interesting thing because. 
Yeah, I'm curious why he was looking for it there, though. I mean, we don't right. get any details on that. It's just that, right. oh, I was hoping to find this. And, and why would <laughs> the monster? Weird. Why would the monster choose that vehicle versus anything else? Because again, right. we're we're talking World War II vehicles, and you know, you know, I, I mean, I just watched Oppenheimer last night, and and we know that you know nuclear submarines and all that stuff are were nuclear. Um, fuel to run ships that didn't happen until later so why would a 1943 ship be liked by a monster and again I understand what you said Barrett which is monsters will attack but that's one thing why would a monster settle there if it had no no radiation on it I'll go back to the idea that the the films aren't Really well written. Really well written. Uh, yeah. Okay. And okay. sometimes okay. mythology, I don't think, is clear or consistent. And so I think one of the, the big things is that you have Skull Island, where you have monsters that are basically big mutant animals. Right. That's all they are. Yep. And then you have Godzilla, where you have the Mutos and the Titans, and there seem to be something else entirely. Right, so you see all these snippets right. of Titans at the end of King of the Monsters, and that are never mentioned again. Um, right, and they even even talk about uh, allude to it the alien monsters too. Right, I heard uh, well, them say it at once, at least in this episode, one of the two episodes they they say it once. But we do know Monster X or Gojira or whatever his name is or was it was an alien? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or came from the sky, so yeah. which. We assume means monster, and but hell, who knows? With the way this world works, there's a floating island up in the stratosphere. Um, but I, we know that the um, the Mutos. I don't know if the, the Mutos in the first film ever actually got a, a real name, because Muto was sort of the the generic term for all the creatures, right? Because it just meant massive. Uh, unidentified terrestrial organism. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then that became Titan. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not. I'm still trying to figure that out. I think Godzilla eats radiation. Uh, some of the big monsters eat radiation. But not all of them do. So, like we saw these glowing eggs. I don't know if these are the same species as the insect creatures from. The first Godzilla film, I tend to think not, because they 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 have a lot more legs. They don't have a similar design to them. They seem like to be their own thing. And the eggs in that film were laid in a different way. They were little. They were small. They were red. They were glowy, but they were laid in like in in strings and strands. They weren't organized this way. So I think it is a completely different species. But I think some species at least eat radiation. I don't think the um, like the mother long legs at the beginning of episode one, uh, I don't think those eat radiation. Um, I don't think King Kong eats radiation. So I think yeah. there's just different classes yep. and different categories of monsters, and probably the, the, well, the truly big monsters like Ghidorah and Godzilla uh, and Rodan. Probably things absorb radiation, and others just eat people. So, like the, this dragon at the end of episode two, I think is just 
um, is just a, a a big creature and not anywhere on the on like the Godzilla scale. Yeah, that's exactly what I w- I would say. Same thing as Mike. I would say that there are some creatures like Kong and possibly like this dragon that are more natural, I guess you'd say. Whereas some of those bigger ones are mutated creatures from the radiation, and that causes them to want to eat the radiation. Right, right. That if sense. anybody out there can can shed some light on this, uh, if you've read the novelizations or the comics, if they've explained it any better, then hey, we we would appreciate it. Um, I didn't realize there were novelizations though, so I'm gonna have to go look for those. Yeah, there's novelizations of Skull Island. There's novelizations of, of I'm sure Godzilla, King of the. I know there's a novelization of King of the Monsters. I know there was a, a at least a couple of comics that they did. Um, so there's a lot more to it than just what was in the films. Yeah. But then you get into the uh, the nerd arguments as to what's what's canon. What really happened, you know, right. uh, as if yeah. any of this is truly real. Um, like how confusing it gets with Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I've had those conversations with Star Wars people online. I'm like, if you really think they're going to take, make, invest, uh, take a million dollar, uh, uh, sorry, an idea for a $200 million movie and worry about whether or not it contradicts something mentioned in a, in a novel that was written, uh, read by a few thousand fans. You're absolutely insane. Canon exactly. Canon means nothing. Like, but but they say, but they say, no, it doesn't matter what they say. They're lying to you to get you to buy the damn books. And then <laughs> and they've done it to you before, and they're going to do it to you again. And it, it's so the same thing here. I don't know, you know if anything that's in the the books actually was looked at or considered. I don't know if it was stuff that was let's say edited out of the uh edited out of the 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 films and are still going to be used as reference unless there's a uh, reason to a specific reason to contradict it but obviously if they take the idea of um so for example with Randolph being on the ship that's apparently out of the novelization um some details changed but that Clear was a part of the backstory that they they decided to use. Right. Now, um, what what did you guys think of um, Lee Shaw and his, uh, I guess, disdain for? The doctor and um, Randa at first, um, because he. Well, seen, yeah, go on. Part of it's that she's female, and that's just like the time period. Um, but he quickly he's he's able to quickly adjust his thinking. So I would say that yes, he's a victim of his times, but he's also able to um, be flexible as well. I'll say he's not wrong in that it would have been really unusual to be meeting a nuclear scientist that was a woman in that particular time period. Yep. So, and, and, and and Japanese only a few years after Japanese, World War II. You know, and although it, she's not – Because this is 1952 
And she and the war ended in '45, so this is seven years after the war. But again, you know, it could be like Werner Avon, whatever his name is, Bronin or whatever. That the yeah, but I, 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 is she Japanese or is she American? She's she's Japanese. That's what I was. That's what they said. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I'll. I'll I mean, I mean she so could what, be a nat- she could have been naturalized. But but yeah. Tech, yeah but I'm not. But she was supposed to be Japanese originally. Anyway, so it, uh, a few years ago, for we, we one, one of the things we do, and we'll be probably doing again soon, uh, as a tradition on the Dark Discussions podcast, is um, uh, a New Year's Eve episode, a New Year's episode, which is um, crossing something off your bucket list, sort of a New Year's Eve resolution. Uh, meaning, watch what's the movie you've always wanted to watch, and a few, and finally getting around to, to checking it off that list. And one of my movies a few years ago was uh, Tarantula. Speaking of kaiju films, and <laughs> In the beginning of the film, the two characters are, are going for a drive, and they, they, there is some comment about I, – I don't remember the specifics, but they, where they are talking about, like, you know, about women doctors and just the – you know, what a novel concept it is because it's a movie from, like, 1954. And, yeah, it's easy for us to, to kind of look back and go, hee, that's problematic. Uh, but it, it was, it's, it was the time period. It was very much that time period. Yeah. So, and, and we see, and we see it all the time. And even in films from the 1950s where, where they, they have that. So, so it is a trope. Um, but I guess, you know, you follow certain tropes, I, I, I guess. But, right? it's, but that's not the same as a trope if they did that in, uh, today. You know, that was set in 2015, and they still were trying to do, woman scientist? Are you kidding me? That would be a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that is true. <laughs> in, 19, in, in that era, I, I don't really take fault for it, don't fault with it. Sure, sure. Yep, that is fair. That is fair. Um... Let's see what else. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's 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 all right. And and they didn't they didn't harp on it too long, fortunately. Um, and they got back more to the um, the story itself. Um, now Shaw um, seems by the end to be as good of a scientist as they are. Uh, you know, like seven years later or whatever. Even though. He wasn't trained to be a scientist, but again, you you learn things when you're around people long enough, uh, right? So. And and a lot of ways, being a scientist is just um, it, it is, is observation and and paying attention, right? And yeah, uh, and and so he's basically probably learned a lot from them. He's paid attention. Uh, he's not. Intended to be an idiot. Uh, he's, you know, um, he's a smart guy, so he's probably picking up a lot from working with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, where else did we want to uh, look into with this episode here? So let's so- let's discuss the the kaiju moments. Since this is a King of Kaiju podcast, and um, yeah, we have to have kaiju moments. Yeah, yeah. So the first kaiju moment is is at the beginning. 
the flashback flash from 1973. Right. So the, the creature is called uh, was about me long legs. It's chasing him. We saw that briefly as somebody got impaled from above uh, with this giant. Uh, I think it's Opleones is the actual name of the the class of of arachnid, which are like scorpions. They're related to spiders, but they're not spiders. Right. Right. Um. And oh yeah, similar to like um, daddy long legs, right? Right. So, yeah, that's that's the daddy long legs group again. Not, but they're not spiders. So anyway, that's just uh, pet peeve. And um, so this is one of the things chasing after him. And uh, at the last moment, he is saved by a giant crab that comes out. Uh, and 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 they go into a fight, and he, he is somehow saved because they both tumble into the ocean. Yeah. So I have to rewatch the opening scene again. Um, I just I completely forgot it was a thing because it is so hard to keep track of TV series right now because they're all on multiple channels and nobody's uh, doing a lot of advertising unless you happen to be watching their streaming service. Uh, there's a Skull Island uh, anime uh, on Netflix, and uh, I. Watch, I've watched the first two episodes. They're only about 20 minutes each. But in the beginning of that uh, that first episode, uh, sorry, the second episode, there are uh, basically trapdoor crabs. So they're crabs that hide under the sand and then come out and uh, and attack whatever comes across. And I have, I'm trying to figure out if that was the same kind of crab that we saw in this, because it would be kind of neat if they also steal creatures from this animated series as well. Right. That would be very interesting. So you've watched a lot of the 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 show then, is what you're Just saying? Just the first two episodes. Of the anime, okay. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. Was it good? I'm liking the first two episodes. It's got, you know, it's a little tropey, like a lot of cartoons are going to be. Um... And did you say what, what it's on? What streaming service? Uh, it's on Netflix. It is on Netflix. Okay. What's it called? Skull Island. Skull Island? Okay. Skull Island, you get a couple of wacky kids uh, on, on a boat uh, with their, their parents, and uh, they're searching for – I'm not sure when it was set. Um, might be in the 90s. But they buy a map off of one of the sailors uh, from – uh, not one of the fans, one of the soldiers from uh, Skull Island, the Kong Skull Island. Twenty years later, he talks about how his, you know, all the people went to the island and disappeared. But he sells them a map for money, uh, as, as you tend to sell things for. And um, they go looking for it. So they're monster hunters, whether they're, and so it's two men and their sons, and. Uh, not all of them make it off that ship alive, and the two sons and some other characters survive on the island, and uh, that's pretty much where I've gotten to. Right. Interesting. Yeah, so maybe they'll they'll use some of those monsters. That'll be pretty interesting. You'll have to let us know if, if as we uh, watch this show here, if that happens. Um, now... There's a couple of surprises in this film. Obviously, the the, the first film—I keep on saying film—TV show was the death of um, the 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 grandmother, uh, her character, and uh, that that was pretty shocking. Um, or what we're assuming is her death, um, which is 
uh, Kiko Miura. Um, but also it was Randa, Bill Randa, who lost the rope. So, and that's his woman and the mother of his kid. So he must be all messed up after this, this scene. So we're going to see the Bill Randa, um, and, and, and they're, I'm assuming Bill Randa and Shar aren't friends after this or, or it's not. Yeah, I would expect there to have been a falling out. Like he probably blames the other guy. It when when it was all, it was, I, I don't, you know, I, that, that's a fair point. I, it's to the person that's truly a fault is Keiko Miura because she was the one that wanted to go down in the pits and, and get the and DNA. And pushed it. Yeah. Yeah. She pushed it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's right. all, it's truly her fault, but that's not how people operate, <laughs> right? Exactly, no. uh, especially when, when they uh, lose something or someone. And Shaw, he didn't do anything wrong. If anything, he uh, what did he do wrong? He went down with her. Well, he had to. No, he didn't. No, well, they could have. Neither of them had to. Well, put it this way, he's supposed to protect her, so. If she goes down, he has to go down. That was my No, but she made a good point, which is that she's the lightest of the three of them. Yeah. And that if she runs into trouble, the two of them could pull her up. Right. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's and, a and good since, point. And now, uh, now look, Bill Rand is not a not a small man. Uh he was he, if he was he, he would have pulled her up, but he could have pulled her up faster if he had some help. Right, and, and, and it doesn't help when when you have a bunch of bugs holding on to her, her leg. So that's enough. Un, a lot of more. I weight, still think right? she would have died, but <laughs> you're gonna blame. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're gonna blame. And he's he's as much to blame. You know, it's it, it's it, it is a, a the reality of you're going into a situation like that. This is um, so another show I've been watching is uh, for all mankind, right? Which is the the alternate history of the space program. Yeah, uh, yeah. What if the Russians landed on the moon first? And so you, you get a lot of astronaut stuff, and you get a lot of astronauts die in that show because they're they're explorers, they're pushing boundaries, and that kind of goes with the territory. Well, she's investigating giant monsters. Yeah. Yep. And I'm going to assume that uh, when Scientific American comes out with its annual list of the most dangerous jobs in science, Monster Hunter is going to be right up there with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she, I mean, that was pretty stupid. Even if you're a monster hunter, just to go into a nest, uh, I mean, that's like going into a, a cave to, to check out little baby cubs. And, and, and if there's a bear <laughs> mother, I mean, it's just stupid. So, and we're not talking a bear here. We're talking about a bear that's, that's 25 times a regular size of a bear. So, Never mind the chance that the eggs hatched and, and she got attacked, you know. So it, it was it was almost like it was just the dumbest well, thing. If, if I were to defend her, and I'm yeah. not saying I am, yeah. but if I were to defend her, uh, it would be that well, these are eggs. There was no sign of an adult around. Eggs are often laid and abandoned, yeah. um, and there was no reason to think that they were going to hatch now. Yep. So it, it just um, it was bad timing. Indeed. Yep. Sure was. Yeah. It was a neat scene too. I mean, yeah, she died, but it was cool watching as she was climbing up, and the bugs were climbing each other to get up. They were using intelligence to get to her. 
Um, I like that. I thought it was pretty cool there a lot. Very ant-like. Yeah. Yeah, it was very ant-like, very uh, which which also uh, World War Z like because World War Z kind, kind, kind of pill buggy. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, get anybody started. Yeah, but yeah, it's I think it was cool, and I liked the fact that they were not just getting giant creatures; that we're getting some smaller creatures, uh, some mid-sized creatures, and I'm sure Kong's uh, Kong, sorry, Godzilla's coming along sooner or later. Um, so we'll be seeing more. I'm hoping that we lead up to something. So uh, one of the other podcasts we've done in the last year was a uh, podcast based on the HBO series Last of Us. And uh, I, maybe you love the, move, the, the show. We were kind of disappointed because um, we were promised zombies and we really didn't get any. Right. So right, right. now I went into this not – expecting, like I said, a whole lot of monster action, certainly not in episode one and two. Uh, I am hoping that there are some monsters by the end, and we've gotten some now. I'm just hoping we get more by the time it's over. But I also didn't go in expecting this, because there isn't a pre-established media to base this on. Um, The way that Last of Us was. Right. And Last of Us just chose to cut out all the zombie stuff. Whatever reason, and um, we actually had more than I thought we would have as far as I, and I'll agree. I, I, yeah, but now, but now that we've had two episodes under our belt, I'm hoping I, I would hope that we get more in that final episode. Yeah, you now that exactly. we we stay consistent, maybe have like one or two small appearances for the first episode. It's the first episode; you got to go big. Um, the second episode we have, and in first and second you get flashbacks with Godzilla that immediately the second episode is just an instant and reusing footage from the first episode. And I'm not even sure if that footage was new or if any of it was reused from, uh, from the Godzilla film. Uh, but that first episode gave us the two kaiju in the beginning and then it gave us the bug at the end. The second episode just gave us the dragon is the only new one. So I'll take one kaiju shot or scene, uh, in each episode until you maybe get to the finale and maybe do something a little bigger for the finale. I would be fine with that. Yeah. I know. Are you assuming that this is going to be multiple seasons? If assuming it does well, Uh, I'm not, I'm, but I I imagine if it does well, you know, they're starving for content. So assuming they've been able to, and, and big assumption that, uh, assuming they've been able to um, control the costs, then I wouldn't be surprised if there was two. Right. Uh, let's see what else. Um Anything else that we wanted to bring up? Oh, I, I actually we forgot to talk about the the monarch people, um, because there's this guy. It, the whole thing is pretty cool, which is whenever they, even if it's old material um, from years ago, the, it's, a, it's like an old tape or, or disc or something. They bring up the monarch stuff. Um, at uh, the techie's apartment, 
And immediately they get pinged at the Monarch's headquarters, wherever that is. And they there's this guy that, that gets the information and he decides to not bring it to his boss's attention and he's going to do the job himself, which is to find information. Now, now, are, is this guy a bad guy or or not? What, what's your opinion on this guy? It's hard to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Monarch, the things we're seeing Monarch do in, at this time period, the present day, yeah. uh, they're, may, they're a little iffy. Um <laughs> Whereas what we've seen in some of the movies, they seemed more um, benevolent. Right, right. But in this, they've got a prisoner and the whole place has got cameras everywhere. I mean, he's being ankle monitored. Now, we don't know why he got to that position, but it doesn't lead you to think that Monarch is, you know, great. Right. Uh, go, Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I think we're going to find out they're not as bad as they seem, but you can yeah. also understand why she reacted the way that she did. Uh, so, right, so she, yeah, she's kidnapped and blindfolded and doesn't care to it. She's, she experiences some PTSD because, as you know, uh, Godzilla blindfolded her when she was in San Francisco and, uh, and, and took her away. Um, but, um, then stuck her to the top of the Golden Gate Bridge. But no, so she's she's obviously uh, traumatized to be by that, and as anybody in their right mind would be. Uh, but they're just trying to find out the truth. They're trying to find that they have they have this. Uh, like I said, the, the father almost certainly worked for them. Uh, he had their files. He was working on the files that uh, from his father, from his father, from John Goodman, uh, and from that video footage, and is trying to. Uh, decode it, decipher it, whatever. And so Monarch is interested in that, and now uh, Kate has gotten a hold of it. And they're digging up her father's papers, and the chase begins. So she has what they want, and she and her and her and her brother and May are on the run, uh, and want to tra- track down what this stuff is. So of course they turn to. Uh, their father's old friend, uh, actually their grandfather's old friend, uh, Lee Shaw, and that's how they end up with Kurt Russell. So, yeah, where are they going to go with this? I'm assuming they're going to get caught up with sooner rather than later. I'm hoping this is not a thing where they get caught or, you know, they interact with Monarch at the very end of the, the, the season and it's left as a cliffhanger that will never get resolved because the show doesn't get renewed. Uh, I don't want to see this going like much beyond episode uh, four or maybe five. So that way the second half of the season, we can play around with this concept a little bit more as opposed to just doing the whole fugitive thing. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Am I mistaken to feel that a lot of stuff is contrived. I mean, obviously, you mentioned, you know, Bill Randa just popping up in the middle of the jungle of, of the Philippines. And, and you know, you, Mike, you explained things well enough how we can, you know, suspension of disbelief. But to have Kurt Russell's character happen to be ankle bracelet in Japan instead of back in the United States or, or a military base uh, like Guam or something, I mean... Does that make was that was I 
uh, being confused, was I out of line to be confused on that, or well, was I? Yeah, I'm more confused about him being alive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. and looking like Kurt Russell, uh, because Kurt Russell was a child actor in the 19 uh, late 60s and 1970s. And Wyatt Russell is a good decade older than the, the man that he's uh, portraying, at least, uh, maybe even more than that. And so really, Kurt Russell is in his 70s, uh, even though this is set almost 10 years ago, Kurt Russell should therefore be at least in his 80s. Um, and he is a very sprightly uh, 70-year-old man, is not a uh, 85-year-old. Uh, he's not anywhere near enough uh, old enough to be president of the United States at the moment. Um, so, and I've seen conspiracies online that they're going to explain this, and and I and maybe this will be something about the the hollow earth magic will allow them to bring the the grandmother who was taken away but not eaten by the bugs and. Maybe she'll still be alive after all these years, but younger because of this some time anomaly in the hidden underground world. And I'm not saying I don't believe it because at this point I can believe almost anything in this place, uh, but I am not anticipating it. I just think they're never going to address why Kurt Russell is, is much younger than what he should be, what I would consider to be much younger. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Well, yeah, because we're talking 2015. This is supposed to be right. So, right. so if we're we're talking 2015, and let's say he, he's seven, his, the AG is in real life, 72. The actor, you minus minus 20. What's 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 he? 59. We last time we see him in the past, so 59. So that's 41 years. But yeah, you're right. He's much much too. He's much too young. Yeah, he should be in, in his eight, late mid eighties at least, at least. Yeah, and that's assuming he's in his twenties when we meet right. in nineteen fifty two. Right. But let's say he was, right. let's say he was twenty years old in nineteen fifty two. Yeah. Well, then he would be seventy years old in two thousand and two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So he's, and this yeah, is that, thirteen years <laughs> after that. So the right. minimum is that he should be eighty-three years old, and yeah. I think it's far more likely that he is older than that. I think it's he's probably yeah. pushing ninety. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. So this timeline that that's that's again this we could argue this is a nitpick, you know, whatever overthinking things, but and giant monster movie. Yeah, exactly. But but it is it is a legit. Problem. You're absolutely right, Mike. You're absolutely right. Uh, again, is it a, is it a problem? Is, am I unable to suspend my disbelief? Not not remotely. Uh, I, I have no problem suspending my disbelief over this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because giant monsters fighting Kurt Russell is what I live for. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um. All right, sounds good. So yeah, it'll be curious to see where they go with the monarch guy and his his uh, cohort there, the, the woman, uh, and see see where they go because um, I am not quite sure if they're baddies or they're just good people working for bad 
organization or something. So we'll, we'll I think that. they're an organization, and like a lot of organizations, they have a job. They're trying to do their job. Um, and we've we've seen Monarch. It's not like this is a new secret organization. We we saw them in, uh, kind of through John Goodman in, uh, in Skull Island, and then we saw them again in uh, Godzilla, and then we saw them again in King of the Monsters, uh, and we saw them again in Godzilla vs. Kong. They are a group of scientists and imagine politicians and soldiers that are trying to uh, study and understand the kaiju phenomenon. And, you know, a lot of it's top secret, and so they're going to be heavy-handed, but I think in the end, uh, they're not going to turn out to be some evil organization. I think they're just you know, people are doing going about things the wrong way. That would be my guess. Because they could easily have killed everybody, right? I mean, they just wanted the fucking files. Um, I have a feeling that if they got their files, they would have, you know, he would have left and nothing else would have happened. Right, that's my right. thought. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's fair. That's, that's fair. Um, all right, so what else do we want to discuss? Well, I'm curious where they go, because I honestly have no idea where they go from here. Like, okay, so fine, they found Kurt Russell. What do they do? Where do they go? I guess they try to track the father down. Yeah, he disappeared. Yeah, what did they? What did Russell say to them? He said, "You have two choices." But was there anything specific? Like, we're going to go find your father, or we're going to go. Do something else. I, I, I don't know. That's a that's a really good question. And what happens in the flashback? Assuming there is still flashback material, right? Right. So they right. found the dragon. Are we staying that's... there? Are we still going to watch what happened with the dragon? And are they going to interact with it at all? Or is it? Or are they? Are we, we going to follow them to a new location? And what is right. the ultimate end game of that storyline? Or have oh, they told oh, as much oh, of the story as they need to? Oh, that was good. That was good, Mike. That was an excellent Taylor Swift reference. She said, end game. Well done. Even though you didn't know you did it. No, um, I did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious as well, uh, Mike. Uh, I, th- I think this new episode that comes out uh, tomorrow, November 22nd, uh, uh, will have some of that. Unfortunately, they're going to be doing a lot, I think, in this show that um, – Westworld did especially and and in some cases Game of Thrones did as well which is go back and forth and focus on different errors or different characters and so you know you have this big cliffhanger here and then they may I bet you the next episode they're not even going to start with the Kurt Russell scene they're going to start with something else you know like well I think the advantage of doing this is that it allows them to Tell this quest story in the present day, quote unquote present day. Um, well, and it's but, not as obtuse as Westworld was. It's easier to follow. Yeah, yeah. As they're long as they it. don't Westworld. start, yeah. As long as they don't start adding more timelines, then it could get confusing if you start having like you know multiple, multiple, multiple. <laughs> I'm okay where it's at right now, but more could be not as good. Yeah, spoiler warning for Westworld. Westworld was having flashbacks without telling you they were doing flashbacks, and then it was a grand surprise reveal at the end of the first season that, hey, these flashbacks were flashbacks. Yeah, Um, right. right. But we didn't know that at the time. 
Right. We did not know that. So here at least they're honest with it. But what this allows them to do is have a monster hunting portion of people who are actually finding monsters. And so they can allow the monsters to show up in the show while the modern-day storyline is tracking down the father and, I'm guessing, not running into monsters along the way. Yeah. Right. That is true. Um, let's see. Anything else that we wanted to bring up that we haven't yet? I'm trying to think of anything else. We didn't talk a lot about the dragon, but at the end, the they're investigating the ship and the dragon. There's obvious signs that something has been there. I don't understand how those signs get in the ship when the thing looks too big to be in the ship. Um, unless it has some babies or something. <laughs> oh, I did think it was neat. The the preserved bodies was creepy. Yeah, that was that was creepy. Um, was and I thought really it looked really good. Uh, the whole the whole scene looked pretty good for a television doing that. So um, I was happy with that. And yeah, I like the dragon. They were doing they were doing an alien uh, or aliens feel, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this 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 show has crypt from a lot of different things, which makes sense, because, you know, uh, a lot of influences from other films, Close Encounters, Alien, Aliens, and so forth. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good question about the monster. Uh, it suddenly appears that moment. Um, and wh- wh- how was it that big? And, and, and whatnot? Was that the mama or daddy or something? And I don't know. It's, it's a good question. Um, I don't think we're going to get an answer, to be honest, because they may flash forward or flash back again. Um, but it is a a um, a cool scene, nonetheless. Um, I, I did like how he did find his hat, and when I rewatched episode one, when we meet him, he's wearing that hat, the KC Monarch hat. So, yeah. so that was kind of interesting. Um, as well, so that, that that was good. Um, so yeah, well, I don't know. We'll we'll have to figure it out, see what where where they go with this monster. If we even see this monster ever again, um, I'm not quite sure. Um, but it's yeah, I will caution people. I, I think some people never learn lessons. It's fun to speculate. It's fun to look at. You know, we're only two episodes in. I've seen so many people ruin their enjoyment of a show because they overanalyze it. Yeah. And then get married to their overanalysis. What every little thing means, what this means is going to happen, what they think is foreshadowing. And then when they don't get the thing that they had, had set their heart on, the show sucked because it didn't give them something that they were never promised. Um, and I'm not saying that there, you, you know, every, you have to just take a bad ending as a bad ending, but there's a difference between you know, you're just believing your own bullshit and uh, something that the showrunners actually said they were going to do. Um, you know, I talk about Last of Us earlier. Last of Us is based on a video game series that features a lot of zombies. That There was an implicit promise there that there would be zombies there. Um, and, and for the most part, there just weren't. And some people were disappointed in that. For all the and other what- merits that the show may have had, like the stand. Otherwise they could have 
Yeah, because otherwise they could have just done the road as a TV series. And before Stan someone says, but there was, yeah, yeah. Well, then the stand was just not a you know a, a particularly good adaptation in many people's eyes. But they had um, all they needed to do it, <laughs> right? But like, if you're of the impression that the the show is going to end with, I don't know. Let's say that you're reading signs and symbols, and you believe this all means that there's going to be a giant showdown at the end between uh, Batra and uh, King Caesar. And you don't get a giant showdown between Batra and King Caesar. That's that's your fault. That's 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 yeah. on you. Uh, you you believe the craziness, and you know who's great at feeding the craziness? All the internet people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. All the recaps of episodes and all that stuff. The recaps. Oh, look! They just released a new commercial advertising the next episode. Let's break down every frame and see yeah. what we can glean from that. Right. So that, that's why I like us talking about it after the fact, but not you know we do our little speculation of what we hope we might see. But and, and I don't, don't get think me wrong, any of us expect it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with speculating. I enjoy speculating. I enjoy theorizing. That's fun. I just don't necessarily expect myself to be right. It's nice when we are. You know, Phil, you had a theory for uh, Game of Thrones that ended up being right, but. Um, I, I don't know that your enjoyment of the series depended on whether or not you were right. That that is true. That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, actually, I predicted a lot of things, and which is kind of interesting because a lot of things that I predicted were not um tropes, and and but it just felt that it was going to be that way. Um, but. But yeah, yeah. But I would have still enjoyed the show whether or not I, w- I was right. I guess, yeah. That's 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 fair, Mike. And especially that show because that show, the source material, um, wasn't even isn't even out yet. You know, versus say House of the Dragon, where we already know the finale. If if you, you read the book, what's going to happen to all the characters, assuming they stick with it but if they don't that'd be crazy but yeah 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 i'll take another example was uh, dexter dexter the showrunners deliberately avoided doing what made sense because they said people had predicted it if if a show is good and it's laying down its groundwork properly then people who pay attention should be able to figure out where it's going it's called it's it's a it's a logical pathway right you know if um right we don't need an m night Shyamalan twist every time Right. When you have a, let's say you have the the character uh, that you that you're, you're following, and you just notice that every time you see them, that they're often popping pills. Um, the idea that you find out that they're a, a drug addict shouldn't end up one day, you know, be, be a shock or surprise, and you shouldn't say, "Oh, people figured out they're a drug addict." Uh, let's let's make it turn out that they're going to be the next senator of of the state. No, that's because that's the plot twist nobody was expecting. No, that's that's not a reason to do that. Um, go with what makes sense. You lay down the foundation, give people credit for picking up on the clues. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that's uh, another another show like Dexter that kind of screwed up was Westworld, right? They, you know, they West, have... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Westworld, I think, just got two in its own head. Um, yeah, yeah, and it, le- it definitely left the source material way too much. Never mind, left the first season way too much. You know? Well, it was getting 
way too. It was sort of like the 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 second Matrix film, where it just was just way too involved in its own you know, own philosophical musings, and Perfect. not invested in uh, giving people the uh, the action and stuff that they, they kind of came for. Right, right. And I'm not saying you can't have both. Both can be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's not easy to, to to do both. Right, right. Yeah. Um. All right. So, anything else anybody want to bring up about these two episodes? All right. I think so, it's a- yeah, yeah. I mean, again, we, we talked longer than expected because it's a two episodes versus just one. Uh, but at this time, uh, we can do that that kaiju thing. So, uh, Mike, explain this once more for folks. So we're just doing a kaiju of a week. Uh, I think it's fair to say we're all fans of giant monster films and, and giant monster stories. You know, could be, I guess, TV shows. I mentioned uh, something like Surface earlier, and then there was, uh, you know, certainly comic books, novels, video games. Um, so we're just going to go pick a pick a kaiju of the week. Who is our our kaiju that we want to spotlight this week? It, it does not have to be a monsterverse kaiju. It does not have to be uh, something from from uh, Toho. It could be anything that fits the category of a giant creature. And uh, Barrett, I think you are up first. I am. So I had a hard time because there were two that I from my childhood that I liked a lot, but I went with the one that I think I loved the most um, growing up. Um, aside from the obvious Godzilla. Um, the one that I really thought of was Gamera, the flying turtle. Um, I just really liked him when I was young, and I still like him. I, I just think he's really oh, he's cool. Fun. Yeah, I, I, I would concur, Barrett. I I think I may have liked him more than, than um, Godzilla when I was a kid. Yeah. And, and I felt the monsters that he fought, were, were were pretty awesome too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I I I like I concur. And and then I know they had that reboot um, that was really awesome in the in the, I think it was the two thousands. Um, that was, was really great. Two thousands. Roger Ebert was still yeah. alive for that because uh, he removed reviewed them very favorably. Yeah, and they were really awesome. And I, I was shocked that um, it didn't continue. Um, because they they were really solid films. Yeah, 1995, 96 and 99. Uh those three Gamera films were really awesome. Yeah. Um but I I I I know some of them are a little silly and stuff, but but another thing too about those films were they had a lot of monster blood, which was pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, and he got wounded a lot too, like yeah, seriously. And it was, you know, always scary. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I and and it was scary too for a kid because like like the the alien woman that wanted to eat the kids' brains. Yes, yeah, that, that was that was pretty awesome. But well, yeah, I think I, that was as a kid. I think that was one of the things I liked about the Gamera films is that Gamera, and don't get me wrong, guys, all awesome, but Gamera was like a, was literally like a friend to friends to the children. Um, yeah. And and it did in a way that felt way better than uh, was it Godzilla's Revenge? 
which is the one where it's the uh, the little kid with the with his bully, and he's basically just doing a whole bunch of Godzilla fantasy stuff, which is an excuse for him to do a clip show of the old Godzilla films. Right, right. And and it's uh, so as a kid, yeah, it's that's kind of what you you want to be. You want to be the friend with the giant monster. Yeah, and yeah. So that was a Plus way. He's to do a it. turtle. He's a turtle. Who doesn't love turtles? He's a turtle who flies and breathes fire <laughs> and yeah. you know and and let's be honest there's a lot of it that's ridiculous because he's like flies by spinning around. Um <laughs> he has some force that comes out, out of his ass. If the holes and fire out of his ass, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and they um they they actually came out with a, a whole remastered set. Um, yes, which I picked up. I, have to, I haven't watched all the films yet, but I have yeah, yeah. Oh, I need that. Yeah, I think it's by – I forget who did it. Um, if it was Synapse or, or someone. Um, it might have been Arrow. Yeah, yeah, I think it, you're right. I think it was Arrow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my favorite of the ones was uh, Gamera versus Guron, uh, which is the one where the, the alien woman that want to eat the brains. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that one's just fun. That one was really fun, yeah, yeah. Um, and they were also really good films to start your kids with, too. I think for horror films or monster movie films. Uh, but if you hadn't chose Gamera, Gamera would have been one of my choices when it was my turn for sure. Um, well, yeah, I am I, sure this is not a. Uh, this it was not my. It's not my intent to do a. I'm going to pick the most obscure thing you've never heard of kind of list. So I'm yeah. imagining we're going to all pick creatures that we all love or are familiar with. Uh, we may yeah, pick and I wanted. Weird. I wanted to pick the one that had the most. I had the most love for growing up. Uh, that really just stuck with me throughout the years, regardless of any other monster films. And, you know, I see these newer monster movies and we don't get to see them. I'd love to see them in one of these current, like, Skull Island movies and stuff, just because it'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I uh, I can see, I have a feeling, my turn next week, um, um, myself picking something that, uh, that, that others here would have, would pick. Let's just put it that way. Without spoiling anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I have no obscure ones that I was thinking of already when we were discussing this earlier. Um, They may not be be huge, but we'll all know them, put it that way. Yeah, we would know them, whether everybody knows them or not. Um, And actually, the Gamera. Gamera, we used to watch – not to speak for anybody else, but Gamera I used to watch as a kid was always on – I think WPIX in New York, Channel 11, um, what eventually yeah, became the... Uh, Channel 56. The CW. But it was on all the time. It was almost always the one where Gamera is with the little kids who are getting their their their, their brains eaten. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's the one. That's the one. That's the best it one. Was almost, it was almost always that one. Yeah, with with the, the Bowie Knife Monster, uh, Goron. Yeah, that was a great one. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, it was cool because it, because it's giant monsters plus science fiction too. So it was pretty. Yes, awesome. exactly. Because couldn't he go into space even? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he, flies, he pulled his he pulled his head inside so he could go into space. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that's a good one. That's a good one. But I don't. But I don't know. Like if kids today will have seen it because I don't. I don't know that it's in heavy rotation anymore. Right. I don't yeah. know where they would yeah. watch it. Yeah. Well. Well. <laughs> A movie that we're going to be doing uh, next week on the Dark Discussions podcast is a great uh, thing in that, which is they're talking about a rock band, and I, w- I won't say what it is. And then the kids, the kids that they're talking to, will go, "I never heard of that band," you know. <laughs> and, and it's like, "Oh my god, we all know the band," and they don't know because they're too young. So it's like Gamera, like yeah, the kids nowadays that are like twenty probably go, Who, "What's a Gamera?" You know, what, what's right. a Hitchcock? What's a Hitchcock? Yeah, because even the the reboot is 20 or 30 years old. Yeah, 1996, 97, uh, 90, yeah, 95, 96, and 98, I think. So, or I said, so yeah, so we're we're talking talking a long time ago, old as old as Scream, the first Scream. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, seriously, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, p- people should check those out though. Uh, the Gamera films, uh, just search out, uh, G-A-M-E-R-A. That's the name of the monster. If you're not familiar with it. And, uh, I think most of them are readily available in some sort of quality on various streaming services. Uh, so if people can go check them out there, uh, the originals from the sixties and early seventies and then, uh, then the 1990s. Uh, reboot as well. Yeah, if you want to get your kids acquainted with monster movies, these are like some of the best ones. Yeah, they may have um, not the greatest effects and everything, but it shows you where what we have today came from. And they're they're not really they're not as horrific as some of the newer stuff is. So you know, it's fairly fairly tame. Yeah, yeah. But also, yeah. remember the kids today have grown up a lot of them watching like Power Rangers, which have Peasy people in monster costumes too. People, people, kaiju's. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah the so Power Rangers though—they're not giants, or are they? No, they're not. But yeah, yeah, but they have those type of outfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're not. Exactly. I mean, aren't there giant like Power Rangers, sort of like a Voltron thing? I think there is. Yes, they they get together and do something giant. I don't know. Oh, okay. So they. Could, I never got into the Power Rangers, so. No, right. Power oh, Rangers yeah. and Pokemon are where I draw my nerd line. Uh, where, where it was, I was just too old to be able to get into it. Yeah, right, right. But also, uh, yeah, see, I I got old right right when teenage nudists were, were were becoming popular. But the other one too, that would be the end of it. That's like right on the cusp for me. Yeah, exactly. Same here. Uh, Transformers. So kids watch those, right? And that's giant mo- robot monsters. So it's, it's kind of yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, that's the crossover, kind of like the um, uh, what are the name of those damn movies? Pacific Rim. They have yeah, kaiju, yeah. you know, that are human robots, and then the right, right, yeah, and the Japanese have been doing that for years. Yep, uh, especially in the anime and stuff too. They have, they have the mechas and stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's where James Cameron got got his idea for metal suits with people inside them. Was was through Japanese anime, so yeah, a lot, a lot of influence from Japanese uh, cinema and and uh, manga and animes and so forth. Um, all right, a lot of influence that. on their stuff from the end of World War Two, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it's the truth. Um, a lot of stealing from each other. Yeah, and oh, all yeah. the better for it. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same with the European stuff and, and the French New Wave and all that. I mean, yeah, everybody – a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff out there. Um, anything else uh, about the Monster of the Week or the Kaiju of the Week? Anything? All right. I guess uh, we can get into some uh, uh, wrapping up, uh, which is uh, – Mike, what's that other podcast that me, you, Barrett, and co-host Eric do that's been going around for over 600 episodes for over – 12 years, 13 years now. What, what, what is that? Yeah, you got to be careful. We've done, we've done so many spinoff podcasts. But the main podcast of the Dark Discussions Network is the Dark Discussions Podcast, which stars myself and yourself and Barrett's self and Eric's self. Eric's self not being here because he's too much of a wimp to be able to watch a, a TV show week after week. He has to wait for an order to come out and bridge it. So he refuses to do TV show podcasts anymore. But anyway, other than that, we do uh, a weekly podcast with occasional guest hosts, uh, usually spotlighting a current horror film on occasion, as we did for our 600th episode. Uh, we will spotlight a, an older film, and for the, that particular case happened to be the uh, 1973 uh, UK classic, The Wicker Man. Uh, that episode, that episode has been downloaded galore. That's a, that one. A lot of people are liking. There, there's, 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 a, there's benefits to doing. Uh, doing classics. Uh, there's yeah. just unfortunately only so many of them to go around. We still have not done a Nightmare on Elm Street or a Friday the 13th film. Um, or I don't even think we did ha- Halloween, right? Yeah. No, we did uh, Halloween. We did not the new Halloween trilogy. Yeah. No, yeah. Hell Ra- no Hellraiser either, right? Uh, we did the new uh, Hellraiser, we, but not the, we did the, the None of the originals, yeah. We did the new original one. Yeah. yeah the, that newest no. one, I know we did. But. Yeah. Yeah, so it's. Um, uh, it t- tends to be a focus on newer stuff. A lot of stuff, if it's big in theaters, so we're going to be doing uh, a movie, horror movie in theaters right now uh, as our next film. Uh, but um, we also just did, uh, what was the name of the film? Uh, uh, Hands, of, Hands Hell. of Hell. Yeah, which is an indie horror film, yeah. Right, so, but it's really a focus, we tend to do more indie stuff, because that's really where a lot of the horror is, and some of it's really obscure indie stuff, like Hands of Hell, and some of it is stuff that's not so obscure, uh, you know, that just because everyone's talking about it. Like, like uh, uh, what's the, what's the one, Megan, Megan, for example. Like, well, Megan is still at least was a theatrical, was a mainstream theatrical release, but that something like Terrifier, uh, certainly oh, oh, I think right, people right, would know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. And pretty much, it's more or less because we have we are, I, I we are not expecting to uh, make a living off of doing any of this. We're the, the, the choices are, shall we say, eclectic. Right. We we would like to make a living uh, off it, but uh, but yeah, we we don't uh, we don't do a, we don't have a YouTube channel, and and we don't uh, aren't really self promoters. We're, we're more word of mouth type of a podcast, and uh, we've done pretty good. Uh, with, with, with the limited, uh, uh, marketing that we do. Um, and, and we've somehow survived for a better part a of a decade. decade. Actually, more over a decade. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, all right. So, uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of our other podcasts next, next week because, uh, we're, uh, pretty, pretty far in now. So, um, but either way, Dark Discussions News Network, www.darkdiscussions. Dot com, uh, where you can find all the podcasts. And then, of course, uh, email darkdiscussions at AOL.com and put the word monarch in the subject, and we will read your email on the podcast because we are here for you to join us in this journey following this television series 
and we would love to hear your opinions, and we would love to read your opinions on the podcast too, and we can use those uh, opinions as discussion points as well. Uh, so uh, emails are always uh, accepted and wanted because uh, then we know you're out there except uh, as a real person and not just a blip by a download. Um, so it's always good to have uh, listeners uh, join join us. Um, all right, so let's get into our final thoughts on uh, the first two episodes of the series. Uh, I'll start. Um, well, I, I can understand uh, some folks' complaints, uh, as Eric noted to me, co-host Eric of the Dark Discussions podcast, that uh, he says, good luck uh, doing a, a podcast on this show because it's looking like there's not going to be uh, as many monsters as you think. And as we, we saw in... Mike mentioned we did uh, the Last of Us podcast, The Rise of the Cordyceps Infected, uh, so you can go check out that podcast as well. And one of our complaints about that show was there really wasn't any Cordyceps Infected. Um, so the, the zombies were, were just not enough. Um, so uh, here, uh, hopefully we, we won't have that problem, but I do have to say that the two hours that I did watch uh, or almost two hours I did watch. It was really uh, entertaining enough. Uh, I enjoyed myself. I wasn't annoyed uh, at all um, with m- most most of the things that may have made me roll my eyes. So uh, yeah, I I, I am uh, excited about this show um, and not disappointed like I've I've turned to be a lot this year when it has come to, uh, with. Uh, things I've been forced to watch for the podcast that turned out to be lemons. Uh, so far, this is pretty good, even if the monsters have been limited. Uh, all right, let's go with you, Barrett. Yeah, I really like the show. I'm looking forward to seeing more. Um, I've got – the monsters are limited, but I've gotten what I've wanted, at least a little bit of monster action stuff going on. Um, I like the second episode more than the first, but they are both good episodes, um, and I think this is going to be a fun show to watch. All right, that sounds good. Yeah, I would concur. The the first episode uh, was not as good as the second, but both were, were solid enough. Uh, and Mike, now, I actually I'll flip it around. I prefer the first to the second because it had those uh, what what were to me two unexpected uh, death scenes. One was the school bus going over the bridge, uh, and the other was um, yeah, the lead uh, scientist. Yeah, it was this was the the scientist, uh, Doctor Murrow. Yeah, being being eaten alive, presumably until she reappears in a later episode, uh, possibly. Um, but I, I, other than that, it, that, that's that's to me splitting hairs. Um, I didn't necessarily walk away going, um, "Oh, this episode was so much better than the other episode." Um, I enjoy them both, uh, even if. And uh, I'm, what I'm really liking uh, is the the characters. I was actually got more kaiju stuff than expected. Because uh, I wasn't really expecting much of anything, and um, but I like the actors. I like the way they're drawing the characters. I like all the characters in it, even though uh, I well, I scratch that. I like all the characters except the unseen father at the moment because uh, he's just creepy. He's doing a he's doing a, a two hemisphere uh, bigamy thing that I just can't get on board with. Uh, maybe they will explain it better. Uh, who knows? Maybe they're actually. He's twins. Uh, I, I have no idea. Um, but 
Yeah, but uh, but other than that, it's the, I, I'm I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying the characters and the fact that we now have Kurt Russell uh, joining the show. Um, I mean, we all knew he was coming, but sort of like I knew John Goodman was going to be in it, but I wasn't expecting John Goodman to be in it much. Uh, and then when we got through 90% of the first two episodes, I hadn't seen Kurt Russell in it. I was thinking maybe Kurt Russell wasn't going to play that big a role. And I'm happy. And now we've got and now we've got Kurt Russell for the next eight episodes. Yeah, yeah, I'm assuming. Uh, well, that's the thing about this show here. Even if he gets eaten or killed or whatever, uh, they're going back and forth and flashbacks here and there. So they, they, they could bring him back at any point in the in the present. Uh, they could show how he gets captured and locked away, and it'll probably be Kurt Russell. That, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to steal something from another podcast. Uh, Kurt Russell uh, – He's in his 70s. He basically has come to grips with the fact that he's more or less retired from working. Uh, and the only thing he said he will continue to do is uh, he's done the, that Netflix Santa Claus film. Okay. And he's had such fun doing that. He'll, he'll do that as long as they want him to do it. Um, and so – and then suddenly he come, he's, he's come back into acting in this. And I think the obvious reason is because, you know, he gives him a chance to work, kind of work with his son, or at the very least, um, you get the feeling the only reason they hired Wyatt Russell is because he pairs well with Kurt Russell. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. I, I didn't know he did anything with, with Santa Claus. Uh, I'm not familiar with this at all. Um, but... Uh, yeah, he it? he played Santa Claus in the Santa Claus film uh, uh, like two years ago, and I think yeah. he came out with a sequel last year. I think. Oh, okay. I didn't watch. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the Christmas Chronicles, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and then he had a film F9 with Vin Diesel. Yeah, at least he had a, a role in there called. Mr. Yeah, he was, he was in a few of the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. Oh, F9 is a Fast and the Furious film. I got yeah, yeah. All right, sounds good. Yeah, they, uh, they they got rid of names years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll tell you one thing though. Uh, uh, Roger Corman made a fortune because he owns he owns the, the franchise because they based it off of his franchise. I think. I think they did. That's not, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, either way, um, all right. So that's our uh, thoughts on this this. First two episodes of the the season, uh, so yeah. Um, uh, what else? Um, well, if you have listened all the way through this podcast, if you are a fan of monsters, if you have your own kaiju of the week to share, if you want to share your thoughts about the, the series, where you want it to go, where you think it's going to go, um, uh, what you're happy with, what you're not happy with. If you just want to rage against the world, uh, then please feel free to, to send us a message at uh, darkdiscussions at AOL.com and uh, put monarch, – uh, Monarch in the subject. Monarch in the subject. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Sounds good. So uh, hopefully folks will uh, uh, rejoin us next week. Uh, again, we're going to have this episode – uh, two of the podcast come out on the 28th of November, 2023. So uh, you're going to get this episode on the 22nd of November, 2023. Uh, so uh, we'll talk about episode three uh, next, and that'll be on the 28th of November. Uh, so hopefully you'll join us then. You have uh, plenty of days 
good good four to five days to email us if you do want to get an email in before we record so we can read it on the podcast please do and uh that's pretty much it so uh with all that stated barrett what do you leave us out thanks for joining us on our uh adventure talking about um monarch god i can't even think of the whole title of it <laughs> legacy uh, of monsters legacy of monsters um as we talked about the first two episodes, um, we're looking forward to reviewing the whole series and especially next week's episode. Join us next week. Monarch was there in San Francisco. When the whole city was coming down, these guys were taking pictures like they've been waiting for it. You think that your father was working for them? Steve wasn't a safe. Who are they? What's Monarch? This is the world we live in. Monsters are an inescapable reality. Those files belong to us, and they are more important than you could possibly imagine. This is going to give me nightmares. Now you can choke down that monarch lie. About your father disappearing. Or we can find out what really happened. Before it's too late. world it's not ours believe me it's so much more vast than we could possibly imagine these monsters and monarch have taken everything from me no more is on fire. If you want to save millions of lives, we can use some help.